Let's begin in Ephesians chapter, <coughs> excuse me, chapter 2. Put a, a marker there because we're going to come back here several times. What I want to look at today is one verse here that talks about us being his workmanship and why that is so important. Look at a few things and then how that relates to works. Now, I've shared some of this before, but whenever you, you minister and you share things, the Lord draws certain things from the scriptures and brings them into vision, into sight for a particular um, time. But there's also other things that you can't minister and, sh- and show and bring other scriptures in. You don't have the time. Now, if we had Sunday school that was two or three hours, like a Bible school class, then you can uh, go into things a little more in detail. But we're going to look at this verse here to begin with, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are his workmanship. Now the word workmanship means that which has been made. It means a work, a work. Now, I want to show you a progression, and I guess I can put it on the board here. There are many things in the scriptures, and of course, even in life, where there is a progression. For example, you're born as a young child, you're, you know, you're young, you're tiny, you can't crawl, then you crawl, then you walk. Eventually you go to school, and then you have this progression of life. Well, there's a progression in Scripture. It's everywhere. And in order to come to B, C, D, or to a specific end that the Lord wants, we must progress a certain way through certain things. Now, we'll begin in Ephesians 1, verse 7. It says, in him we have redemption. So in him is redemption. Or there is salvation. So that is a beginning point. Those who are on the outside, those who uh, have not had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, really don't know what redemption is. They don't know what salvation is and all of that. So Paul says here that there's a specific place where there is redemption and there's a specific place here now where there is salvation and that is found in him, in Christ. Now turn to Philippians. Now if you read the Bible and you read it quickly, you will miss a lot. I would have to say that I would be a very very, very successful Bible school teacher or teacher in general if I could get people to read the Bible. And what I mean is to read it and read it right. So in this verse here, very simple verse, we, we can read it, and of course we see certain things. Verse 8, this is a Philippians 3, verse 8. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, 
for whom I have suffered the loss of all or all things and count them as rubbish. Why, Paul? Why are you saying this? Why um, do you count all things as loss? Well, that I may gain Christ, he says. And, verse 9, be found in him. Found in him. Now that statement alone, if you think about it, that I might be found in him, raises the possibility that a Christian, a Christian may not be found in him. Now remember, this is a positional thing. This occurs when we come to Christ, when there is a change within us, we are placed in Christ. Now, remember that we're talking here, when you come to the Bible, you can't sit down and figure things out with your mind. Uh, just reading a scripture and figuring it out is not going to give you a true understanding of the scriptures. So there must be um, something within you, in spirit, that takes place something that occurs within your heart by the Spirit of God that brings illumination so that now you can see, you can perceive, and now when you read certain things, <clears throat> you have an understanding of what's going on in this spiritual realm because we're not talking about a physical realm. When you read the Scriptures, you may even see <clears throat> something in the Old Testament, for example, in Joshua, they went into the Promised Land, but... All these things are portraying things in spirit. So there's always things moving along a different line than the physical. So it is possible not to be found in him. Because the verb be found is subjunctive mood, which means that's in the realm of possibility. So you could be, you could not be found in him. You could be found in him. Okay? Uh, so to gain Christ, as he says in verse 8, we must be found in him. Look at uh, Ephesians 1, 4. <clears throat> Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So you, when you responded, so you were chosen in him. When you responded, then the reality of that, what God wanted, you being in him, takes place. Now, that's a starting place. That's a foundational thing. That's where we start. Now, the key here is, as Paul said, that I might be found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness, which is of Jesus Christ, as the rest of the verse. So this becomes a starting point. Now, there are believers who do not believe that, you know, once you are saved, you are in him, that's it. It's a, it's a done thing. But I find things in the scriptures to the contrary, and I want to show you a few things from uh, the book of 1 John, the epistle. Because if you can start to see this, this may help you in directing your heart and your life and your steps. Now, in 1 John, the Christian can move out 
from being in Christ. And like I said, there's people who don't believe that. But I want to show you that. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. So this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now you see the latter part of that verse? So God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now go to chapter 2. Verse 9, he who says he's in the light, remember, there's no light in him, you're in him, there's no darkness in him. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He's talking to believers, he's not talking to the world. So if a believer hates his brother, you say, well, you know, I don't hate my brother. Well, that's good. But see, you haven't seen different things going on in different churches with different people, with different Christians. So a person may be in front of you, a person you may come in contact with, they're in a certain denomination, and, and you think that they're you know, okay as a Christian. But later on, if you're around them, in a different setting, you may see that there are things in them and coming out of them that should not be there. I remember this happening when I was a young Christian. I, I really was caught up with this one man who uh, taught Sunday school. He was so eloquent. He was like this orator. I was like, man, I never heard anybody speak like this guy. And not even these people who speak in Congress. This guy was so fluent and such an orator. And I thought, wow. So I sat there and I was like, Probably four months later, he was the ringleader in, in bringing a big division into the church against a pastor. So it's not how eloquent, you know, what's going on within. So, you know, here he says, if you hate your brother, um, that person is in darkness. Verse 11 but he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness. He doesn't know where he's going to go. He doesn't know where he's going. So, with that being said, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Now, keep that in mind. He who says he's in the light and hates his brother, hates his brother. Remember that. Now, Galatians chapter 5, verse 18, talks about if you're led by the Spirit. Let me see your verse. Verse 18, if you're led by the Spirit, you, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, and so on. Verse 20, idolatry, sorcery, and what? Hatred. Now, didn't we just read something about that? if you hate your brother. So John is actually saying here and relating this to the works of the flesh. See, that is, John was giving one example in that verse of how a person can walk in darkness. But if you come over to Galatians now, this is going to show you a broader view of this 
There are other ways of walking in darkness other than hating your brother. That's one way. That's one way. And he goes on, talks about jealousy, outbursts of wrath, heresy, verse 21, envy, murder, drunkenness. Now, do you know that the list here, as far as the works of the flesh, are not a complete list? Did you know that? You want me to show you that in the verse? See, that's why it pays to read the Bible. Verse 21, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. So Paul is not giving us a complete list. He's giving us an idea of what the works of the flesh are so that we can see that and know that. So the point, I believe, is this here, that if the person, any Christian, is moving in the flesh. Now, the word flesh, or put it this way, the word carnal, basically is the same. The word carnal is, in the Greek, sarx, or a, it's, you can have a derivative of the word, but it's from the root word sarx. And it means your base nature, the unregenerated man. So those who move, Christians, who move in the flesh, in this unregenerate state, where we're seeing here, this is coming out of adultery and all these different things. Those who move in that can move out of him. They can move out from being in Christ. Because if you hate your brother, that's a work of the flesh. You are walking in darkness. But see, if you're in God, there's no darkness in him at all. Are you understanding? You following this? Maybe. Also, there's a scripture. It's in Timothy that says, Paul says, Demas hath forsaken, forsaken me. Can anybody finish the verse? Love this present world. Now, go to 1 John again, chapter 2, <clears throat> verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love or the dedicated, put it this way, if anyone loves, that's agape, if anyone is dedicated um, to the world, the dedication of the Father is not in him. Be very clear. The dedication for others. See, you will not be interested in another's welfare or the you know, welfare of another Christian or another person because that love or that dedication of the Father is not in you. Why? Because you're interested or the Christian is interested in something else. He has this dedication or love for the world. Verse 10. He who loves his brother abides in the light. So loving this present world will result in one not abiding in the light. That's what this is saying here. I'm just taking different things from different verses and putting them together for you. So if you love this present world, if the Christian loves this present world, they are not abiding in the light or they're not abiding in him. See, that is why it is so important 
to walk with the Lord and to allow Him to have His way in our life. You know, you look at certain Christians. I don't know if you come in contact with people that are Christians outside of this church. But sometimes you run into Christians, and if you're around them enough, you see things. You can't help, not that you're, you know, judging them as far as, you know, you know you're condemned, can, you know, condemning them. But you, you're judging, you're discerning what's going on with them or what is not going on with them. So you see a person who's in a denomination, for, for example, and that denomination has certain requirements, so to speak, that is placed on the people. You fought to you know, fall into these, these rules of the denomination. I heard someone very popular on TV. I passed by, I listened to it a little bit. He said that denominations were of the devil. Denominations divide. It's one of the things you'll see. They divide because let's say you have something from the Spirit of God, something for certain people or a certain group. Well, if you're not a Southern Baptist, you can't go into a Southern Baptist church and minister. It doesn't matter what you have. Or you can't go to another denomination, certain denominations. You just can't go in there and minister. So they, they say, well, we will keep people from our denomination here to minister along the lines of what we believe. And that shuts out the grace of God from all these other men or ministers that may have something. So you see an individual, and they're in a denomination. And they can be totally unaware of certain things that you here know, even related to something like this that you can actually be out of Christ. There are, there are those who believe in, in denominations that that's it, it's done, said, finished. No matter what you do, you're in Christ. And that is a dangerous belief because it, it allows uh, an unrestraint in the person, in the individual. There's no restraining thing there. So, in Christ, is the place where you, as a Christian, will become Christ-like. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. It doesn't matter what denomination a person's in. It doesn't matter... If they are a faith healer, it doesn't matter what they do uh, as far as, you know, good, good works or whatever, or works. You know, if they're not in Christ, and as I said, we looked at the verses, uh, three of them, showing that a person can be out of Christ. A Christian can go out of Christ if they're in the flesh. If, they, if they're involved with the works of the flesh. Now, in Ephesians, let's go back there, Ephesians 2. So this is where we started, verse 10. For we are his workmanship. 
We're a product of the Lord. We're a work of the Lord. And he goes on and he says, created in Christ Jesus. Now, the word created, if you look it up in Thayer's lexicon, it means to make habitable. There's a process there where we are made habitable. And then if you go on chapter 2 to verse 21, in whom or in Christ the whole building being fit together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And and I want to stress holy temple. See, so when he says holy, that excludes the works of the flesh because the works of the flesh are not holy. In whom or in Christ you also are being built together for a habitation, the King James says, the New King James says, for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. So when you come to the epistles and you read these things, Paul is talking about and John is referring to a place in spirit. So if you are not in a certain place in spirit, then you cannot understand the words that are written or the words that are taught or preached. So Paul says in Galatians, he says, if we live in the spirit, that's kind of an odd thing to say, but not to those who understand. He says, now, if you live in the spirit, well, you mean, well, I'm, I'm here in the physical well, that's true. We have a physical body, and we relate to the natural world through this physical body, and we can relate to uh, the carnal world through a carnal nature, uh, sinful nature within. But he says, now, if you are in, in the Spirit, if you are in the Spirit, uh, walk in the Spirit, he says. If you live in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. So when he says that, a carnal Christian does not comprehend that. They may read that and say, well, yeah, but this is it's so far up, up and out somewhere. I don't know where, but, you know, in the Spirit, in the Spirit, it's something that's, whoo, you know, it's out there somewhere. But to the redeemed, those who come, have come in, this is a place that we are to be living. If you live in the Spirit, if you, if you. That doesn't mean all Christians are, are dwelling there and staying there because they can move back into the flesh and move into their own thinking and move into their own ways and move into their own desires and all that. See, then if that occurs, they are not living in the Spirit. So when you look at someone, you really can't tell unless you're around them for a while or if the Lord gives you discernment and you open up their eyes and you start to see that they're not living where they should be living as a Christian. And um, you, you're around them, maybe you're around them every day or some of the time. And you start to hear certain things they say. You start to hear the gossip about this person, that person, the other person. Or you start to hear them say, you know, I can't stand that person. I really can't stand that person. Or I can't stand that person. And so the person is supposedly a Christian, 
But are they in the spirit, like Paul is saying, or are they in the flesh? Just looking at the outside, you can't determine that. But the Lord will show you in order to draw a contrast for you so that you can see the difference between being in the spirit and being in the flesh. So if we are going to be the workmanship of God, that means that that he is going to work on you. You're going to be a product of his that's going to be, um, turn out that it's going to be something that is Christ-like. Then, then we must be in Christ because we cannot live in the Spirit unless we're in Christ. So these things are all connected. You, you may say, well, I don't understand. Well, just walk with the Lord. You'll see. You'll understand later. So the Lord will draw contrast for you. He does this all the time. So that you can, can see this here. What is, the, what is this here? Oh, this is portraying something to me. Oh, okay, I need to live this way so that I'm living in the Spirit. If I'm going to live in the Spirit, now, okay, walk in the Spirit. Now, the contrast over here is the flesh. And it's not hard to see and to know and to understand what the flesh is. Well, I guess it is for some Christians because they're, they're kind of oblivious to it because of the way they, they act and what they do and what they say. So either where they are, as far as their church, they're not hearing certain things, or they're not reading and allowing the Lord to bring that in here, in their heart, in their life, uh, to teach them. So when I was a young Christian... Uh, I had been reading the, the, the Bible faithfully for hours every day. And I, probably a good three years every day, every day, hours and hours. And when something occurred in the church, it was easy for me to see the contrast there. And I couldn't, I couldn't understand. I, just, I, just, I was like... I don't, I don't understand. See, when I, when I came to the church, I thought that all Christians were perfect. I mean, they didn't, they didn't make any mistakes. They didn't do anything wrong. Boy, I, I was in for rude awakening. And so I'm looking at this and saying, well, why can't they see what's going on? The, the contrast is drawn. And so, you know, your heart, the way our hearts are uh, toward the Lord, and allowing the Lord to soften, keep our hearts soft, is, is very huge. Because even if we miss a step, if our hearts are soft and we want the Lord, He can draw contrast and He can show us the difference between what's here and what's over here so that we can order our steps and direct our steps according to, you know, what he's showing us. And so there are Christians who, you know, seem to be, as far as I can understand, totally oblivious to certain things. And, and I, I can say this from what I see in the Scripture, so that, that says to me that, 
there's a good chance that they are walking and moving to some degree in the flesh. Because if they were in another place and they were teachable, the Lord would direct them and they would see and they would understand. They would be able to follow, follow through and, and move out of that. Even if they're not getting a certain truth at the church that they go to, still, you know, the gospel and Jesus, you know, he relates to the heart. And so he can still touch the heart and, and move a person. So in Romans 1, verse 20. Now he's speaking, I believe, to the, or about the unrighteous. For since the creation of the world, his invisible, invisible things, King James says, New King James says, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So, if the Lord is saying that those who are unrighteous are without excuse because of what is portrayed in the world as far as nature and, and so, so on, then how much more are we all, all Christians, without excuse when it comes to the gospel as far as walking in the correct way and then living in the Spirit? We're without excuse. See, we, everyone here has heard so much, so much teaching, all of us. Now, the danger is, for all of us, is that we kind of sit on our hands and, and we don't progress in the work of God. And I don't mean... Works. I'm talking about in the work of God in your life. You know, we don't progress in certain ways. And there's a great danger of becoming satisfied where we are and not allowing the Lord to slowly take us further. And I think that in Christianity, with a lot of people they have hit a peak in their own life where they are comfortable and they stay right in that particular place and they're not so much interested in maybe going higher. Maybe they're not taught that. You know, maybe they're taught that you know, you're going to heaven, that's all there is, which is a very common teaching. But there isn't this heart's desire to go further with the Lord, or higher, or deeper, however you'd like to say that, to go, go on. So I have seen in my life as a Christian that there has been uh, a progression with Christians. Uh, with the gospel, there's a progression. With some Christians, they progress along with God in their life. Others, you know, they, they will come and they will stop at a certain point and then they'll maybe go a little further and they'll stop. And then there's others who just kind of, they, they, I don't know, maybe they're, there's too much of a draw for the world that, they're, you know, they're in, that has their interest that they're not interested so much in 
the higher things. And of course, that's individual. Even here, it's all individual. I mean, you guys can hear the same things. You can hear the same things preached. Uh, you can hear things that are way, way up here. And because you hear them, you think that you have them. Because you, because you hear them doesn't mean you have them. What the Lord is trying to do by bringing these things out so that you hear them is to call you higher. Not to sit where you are spiritually. So there is quite a potential. You know, but will the potential be answered by the heart of the individual? Well, that's something different. You can be called by God. God could want to use you mightily, but that in no means means that that's going to happen. By no means. That doesn't mean that. That means that it's possible. So let's go into Galatians again. So Paul in uh, Ephesians talks about being a habitation of God. And then he says in Corinthians, Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. So that's good. The Spirit of God dwells in you. Well, the Spirit of God dwells in you for different reasons, but one of the reasons is to bring you to where Jesus is, and I don't mean heaven. Uh, or you could say to bring certain attribute, attributes of Christ and depositing them to some degree in us. So the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. And let me read something from Peter here. 1 Peter 2, verse 4. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed of men, but chosen by God and precious, you also, as living stones, are being built up. Now, that's a verb. Are built up is a verb. And that verb is present, passive which means that presently you are being built up a spiritual house or being built into a spiritual house, a habitation, a dwelling place. But the passive means that you, as the subject, receives an action of being the building. It's the Spirit of God, or Jesus, builds in your life. But see, remember that certain things have to be in place for that building to occur in you. So if you're in the flesh, that building can't occur. You are his workmanship. See, but as far as him building you into a spiritual house, there are certain things that have to occur in our lives. We need to live in the Spirit. We need to be in him. Um, we need to surrender. We, we need to, to walk with God and what he's showing us to walk in. You know, all these different things. So, you know, if we're going to, to, to go our own way, do our own thing, if we're going to, you know, be in the flesh, then that hinders the building process in your life. 
Very simple. I don't really care what anybody else thinks or believes, but I, I see it so clearly. It's very clear. Then he goes on, uh, being built, your living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. See, that's a key because he's talking about holiness in us to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. So now when you come over to Galatians 4, verse 19. My little children, for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Now, this verb here in the Greek is formed, by, that's the translation in the English, is also passive voice, which means that the subject, you and I, that Christ being formed in it, we receive the action. See, so if the Christian, again, is going to operate in the flesh, then being his workmanship or having Christ formed in us is going to be greatly hindered, if, if not stopped. So there's the contrast. How are we going to live? Now continue, verse 20, 21. Well, we're not going to read all this. From verse 21 through 31, he talks about the two covenants where Sarah is the bond, uh, bond woman and, um, excuse me, Hagar is, thank you. Hagar is the bond woman and Sarah is the free woman. Um. Then verse 31, let me see here. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. And then you go in chapter 5, he talks about the circumcision. And in Romans, he talks about the true circumcision is that of the heart and not of the flesh. And then he goes in verse 5, he says, For we through, the, this is chapter 5, verse 5, through the Spirit eagerly wait for the hope of the righteousness by faith, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor, circ nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. And then he goes on in this chapter, and he talks in verse 16, Then I say, walk in the Spirit. So when you go back to chapter 4, verse 19, where it's talking about Christ being formed in you, if you follow it along here, now you come to what's going to help and what's going to be necessary for Christ to be formed in you, and that is verse 16, walking in the Spirit. So I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to the other, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So again, and this is throughout the Bible, you see the contrast here? In this verse, walking in the Spirit, walking in the flesh. It's a contrast. To put it out there so the individual sees that, so now they can make a choice. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So if you're not led by the Spirit, you're under the law. You know that. See, so there are Christians who are, they don't live in the Spirit. Where's that verse? 
verse 25. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So there are Christians who do not live in the Spirit. They do not walk in the Spirit. And because they are not and do not, they walk in the flesh. That's it's very simple. Verse 18. If you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. I said that wrong. So that is, if you are not led by the Spirit, you're not living in the Spirit, then you are under the law. And that is why some people will get upset because you don't do a certain thing that they think in their mind, you know, that's in the Bible. They will get upset with you because they're under the law. Because you're walking in the Spirit, you're not under certain things. You're under the law of the Spirit, but you're not under the law law. Okay, so verse, so in chapter 5, again, the Christian has the choice, verse 19, to walk in the works of the flesh, or verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit. So go back to Ephesians. I don't have enough time to finish this. (laughs) Chapter 2, verse 10. So I went through all that, what I said here, all this teaching, to bring us back to this verse. For we are his workmanship. See, so now you have an idea of what that means. We are his workmanship. Now, let's finish the verse. Created in Christ Jesus for good works. See, Christians are to do good works, but I I don't think that... Some of the works in Christianity are what the Bible considers good works. They might be works, but they may not be good works because of the character, or say it this way, the lack of the character in the individual who's doing the work. So if a person, let's say a Christian, is in the flesh, You know that they can choose to go to the mission field. You know they can choose to uh, feed the poor. They can choose to do a lot of things. My church is going to do this, so I'm going to be involved uh, doing this particular outreach. Well, that's a work, and the people on the other end will receive the benefit. But if that individual is walking in the flesh then their participation in the works, as far as that, how that relates to them in their life, it's not, it could very well not be a good work. See, because of the character of the individual. So the works, works are good. You see it in the scriptures. It's all over the place. But what's never taught, I've never heard anybody teach this outside of this church, is related to the quality of the individual being the workmanship of God. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good, good works. So, you know, to have the good works there in the verse, let's back up and see what precedes that. And that is this being a workmanship of God. So if the Lord can work in your life, 
personally. And you are walking in the Spirit, and now He leads you to do a particular thing. Now, that work is a good work because it's, it has its basis in the will of God. And Jesus said, the works that I do, uh, I do what I see the Father do. So the source of the works, even Jesus, the source of the works were God. They were the Father. And we know that Jesus didn't operate in the flesh. And he tells him, he says, well, you're going to stone me for all, you, know, you see all these good works. What work are you going to stone me for? So Jesus went about doing good works. So it's just not doing something for God. See, there, there has to be within the heart of the Christian the work of the Spirit in them and the direction of the Spirit to complete or to do a particular work. And if that thing is right, then what results are good works. So it's just not doing things. It's not just, it's just not it. The Lord wants good works. But see, He wants to do certain things. You know, there's a certain progression that must occur in the life. Uh, and no matter where a person is in this, if their heart is right, you know, that which can come out is, is good works. But if there's, you know, the flesh, if that's, if that's all, if their heart's all tangled up with the world, uh, Demas has forsaken me, loving. He was dedicated to this present world in some way. That, that his heart was, was going in that direction. And that was a present tense verb, by the way. Let me see. Demas hath forsaken me, loving this present world. I believe that, I'm not sure, but one of those, I think, um, have forsaken me. I think that that's a present tense verb, which means that that something was going on in his heart presently, you know, going toward the world. That could change. He could, you know, shift back toward the Lord. But he left Paul loving the present world. And so, for us as believers... The Lord wants things in our life to be right. So if, if we can allow the Lord to get all these things in us the way they are to be, then we can walk with him and the things will come out the way they are to come out and the God will get the results that he's looking for from the works. So it's just not going out and doing something. But remember, the place to be for the Christian is in him, in Christ. That's the place to be. That's the spiritual place to be. Because nothing of value will occur out from our life if we are not in Christ and if we do not stay in Christ. 